You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou As we hear Jesus' words to us from the book of Revelation today, there's very little of comfort in what he says. Very little of the doe-eyed, gentle Jesus that fills the pictures of our Christian piety and our Christian books. No gentle Jesus, come and squeeze us. We're much more comfortable with pictures like this one on the screen behind me. Warner Solomon's Head of Jesus. Probably the most widely reproduced picture of Jesus here in the Western Hemisphere. And we're less comfortable. We don't often see in our Christian literature pictures like this one by Luca Giordano. Christ cleansing the temple. Let alone even more modern images like this one of them. Here's another one. Jesus driving out the money changers from the temple. And you notice how the money changers are dressed like Wall Street businessmen. As we reflect on these hard words of Jesus to the church. It brings us in mind of what we have just read from our Old Testament lesson. Our Old Testament passage lays out the law's demands. It convicts us of our sins. It makes us know our need for a Savior and our need to repent and turn from those sins. But in our New Testament reading, in our reading from the book of Revelation, we see the errors that provoke Jesus to real wrath. First of all, we see this theme of sexual immorality. Now, sexual immorality was especially egregious in the ancient world because it was the tool whereby people were drawn into idolatry. The worship of the ancient world often involved ritual sex with members of the temple to access the power of the God. Jesus calls this sexual immorality drawing us off in the direction of idolatry. He calls this the deep things of Satan. See, sexual immorality always leads us toward idolatry because it means that we're taking our sexual gratification and elevating it above our identity in God. Our identity in Christ. We're saying, yes, I belong to God and yes, I know this will make Him unhappy, but what I want for my romantic feelings and just to have that itch scratched, that's more important. We set up for ourselves, especially in the modern world, we say, well, God won't mind because after all, God just wants love and this is just another form of love. We set up a false God. A God who has never spoken 
whose words are not recorded in this book. God who doesn't mind and understands after all. Jesus is so angry about this. So angry at the damage it is doing to his people that he even says probably some of the most striking words we'll hear in any of these letters to the, book, to the churches in the book of Revelation. He says he will strike this person named Jezebel, strike her children dead. He'll make her sick and kill her children. These are strong words from the one who said, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. I still hear that one in the King James in my head. And although the context makes clear that we're not referring to literal biological children, and that striking them dead means their spiritual death rather than their physical death, it's still a terrifying thing. Her spiritual children, whoever this woman was in this church, who he refers to as Jezebel in order to put us in mind of the Old Testament story with King Ahab's wife, Whoever she was, she was teaching false things. And so her spiritual children, the people who espoused them, Jesus was going to strike dead spiritually. It's the idea of us having freedom through the gospel, and it's a true, that's a true idea. One of Luther's most famous sermons was called On the Freedom of a Christian. We do have freedom in the gospel. But it's not the freedom to violate with impunity God's law. In fact, it's the freedom to meet the law's demands not out of fear of punishment, but out of love for the one who wrote the law and love for our neighbor who is made in his image. The idea of having freedom through the gospel has throughout church history, beginning we know for sure with the church in Corinth, meant or seen the church drift into immorality, false teaching, and finally apostasy. That means a denial of who God is. We see Jesus in our gospel reading today overturning the tables of the money changers in the temple. See, the practice of having money changers in the temple was very simple. The Roman Empire, the coins had the picture of Caesar on them and it actually said Caesar, son of God on them. So they were an idolatrous coin and so you could not pay your temple tax. You couldn't give an offering in the temple using Roman coins. And so for the convenience of the people, they had an exchange program. You could bring your Roman coins in and exchange them for good Jewish coins and so give your tithe to God. This was simply a way to meet the needs of the parishioners. But slowly, by the time of Jesus, it had drifted into a mere transaction of commerce and greed. But it was disguised by piety and worship and concern for the needs and convenience of others. And before we get too sanctimonious about it, 
I'd just simply ask the question, how often is the modern church guilty of the exact same thing? How often do we dumb down robust theological language that really precisely communicates the truth of God's Word? Because, well, no one knows those words anymore, and hey, we wouldn't want to take all the trouble to teach them those words. How often have we set ourselves up to cater to the needs of this or that social group? How often have we designed our church buildings and even worship services to make those who don't believe or who want a lower commitment Christianity more comfortable? How often have we tried to be all things to all people and so lost the whole counsel of God and failed to preach it? Our intentions are good, but we all know where the road, though the destination of the road paved with good intentions is, don't we? John Calvin famously said, The mind of fallen man is an idol factory. What he meant was that we keep setting up idols even when we don't intend to. We have a tendency to drift off course even with the best of intentions. Now the opposite of drifting is steadfastness. In the church of Jesus Christ are people called to be transformed by their steadfastness. They're holding firmly to the truth of the gospel, to the truth of Jesus' words and Jesus' Father's words in Scripture. And I learned, I learned a lesson about what steadfastness looks like in an unexpected way um, when I was growing up. I uh, used to go with my grandfather and stuff, um, the whole family, down to Long Beach Island off the coast of New Jersey. And um, if you know anything about the surf on a barrier island like Long Beach Island, it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Sometimes the, uh, sometimes the, the, the bank of the, of the surf can be quite steep, which means the waves tumble over really quickly. If you're a surfer, you don't get a long ride on, in, when, when the embankment's really deep and steep. So uh, it's often a really rough surf. You get knocked around quite a bit. And um, I remember that I was playing in the surf with my grandfather, and we were standing right by the lifeguard station. And uh, I was playing, and it was only up to about my knees. I mean, it was, I wasn't out in the waves proper. And my grandfather yells at me, because not only was there the danger of the, the ocean, but, of course, the beach was full of people, and he didn't know any of them. And so there's the danger of other people when you've got a young child in tow. And he said to me, Hey, you watch yourself. You stay near me. Well, I was just standing and kind of, well, doing what I do a lot, which is kind of get drifty and you know, kind of look up at the sun and the stars and the birds and go, ooh, look at that. And I was just kind of daydreaming, not paying attention. And I hear this, Brett, get back here. And I look. And my grandfather is 120 feet down the beach from me. 
I hadn't picked up my feet and moved, but the movement of the waves had shifted the sand around my feet and taken me 120 feet down the beach from the lifeguard stand. It was a battle just to stay where I was that whole day and not lose sight of my grandfather. It required attention and constant effort to be steadfast on that beach. And it requires the same of us as Christians. We are called to be transformed by our steadfastness by returning again and again with great intention to the words of grace offered in the gospel and offered only through Jesus Christ so that we don't drift off away from the truth. We are called to live a life defined by God's Word, by the virtues in His commandments, especially as reiterated by Jesus in the New Testament, and resisting the drift that the emotional tides, both within and without, both from inside our psyche and from outside in our culture, encourage. But our reward, Our reward, as we hear in the book of Revelation, for our steadfastness is the morning star Himself, Jesus Christ. Our reward is that we should be where our Lord and Savior is. That thing we, that state of being we call heaven. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Lord God, we can feel ourselves drift. We feel the tides pulling around our ankles and our knees and sometimes our waists, wanting to move us away from you, away from the lifeguard station where you stand and watch over us. And we would ask, we would pray that You would in Your grace keep us close to You. Transform us by our steadfastness. Give us the will to live as Your people. Give us the power to live in that way and trust only You, not simply for our salvation at the end of this earthly life, but for the content and shape and form of this earthly life. Let us trust you with anything and everything that we might be transformed more and more by our steadfastness into a reflection of you. This we ask in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night.
sleeping, thy presence, my light. 